Support for this podcast comes from Invent Together. I bet you didn't know that inventing activity by black inventors peaked in 1899, and it has never recovered. Black and Hispanic college graduates patent at half the rate of white college graduates. That's just one of the reasons why you need to know about Invent Together. When our patent system gets more diverse, our nation will get stronger and more successful. Find out how you can help diverse inventors and unleash economic opportunity at inventtogether.org. Hi, and welcome to The Pollsters. I'm Margie O'Mara, Democratic pollster with GBA Strategies. And I'm Kristen Soltis-Anderson, Republican pollster with Echelon Insights. And each week we bring you the latest polls driving the news in politics, tech, and pop culture. So happy holidays, everyone. Happy holidays, folks. Margie, how was your holiday can I characterize it as a break? E- no, not so <laughs> It was a break from work, so that's good. But I reminded myself once again, I also enjoy work. <laughs> so I'm happy to be back at work, um, even though it's freezing and like the roads are clear and school's closed. But um, no, my kids really had a fantastic time because – my father-in-law was here. We had playdates every day. We had through lots of parties. We hung out with all the neighborhood kids, which is always fun. We went to all the indoor play areas. We saw Kylie and her kids. We went to an indoor play place oh, with them. Oh, Kylie, f- friend of the show. Yes, yes. So that was super fun. Um, And my daughter got a... Uh, an American Girl doll. And we went for American Girl doll tea, which... It's not for everyone, but we really got into it. Like, I brought my father-in-law. We, like, really leaned ah, into the tea experience. Okay. She had to get her ears pierced. I was like, Whoa. Oh. I was like, did Rebecca cry? Is she? Did, was she brave? <laughs> like, they have to bring the dolls into the back room because they don't oh, want the, the kids. Doll got the doll got the ears pierced. Yes, the doll had to get her ears pierced. <laughs> they take them in the back room because they don't want the kids to see, like, whatever scary contraption the, kid, the dolls are in when they get her ears pierced. And, like, anyway, it was pretty entertaining. The, the dude with the drill in yeah. the back room exactly. would be disturbing to the children <laughs> yeah yeah that makes sense yeah so it was really it was uh i could talk about it for a while but i don't i don't think people want to hear about i don't think i should reenact my american girl doll story in real time but anyway that took up a lot of a lot of space not so much polling a little bit more kid stuff so it's good to be back and talk about the really exciting new year we're off to it's cold weather and it's cold politically i mean would you say margie that it is Cold as ice? <laughs> Might be. You're as cold as ice. Willing to sacrifice. Are you crazy? <laughs> that was Job. That was Job from Arrested Development. Uh, I spent the last couple of weeks binge watching the first two seasons of The OC, which I am now realizing is the exact same show as Arrested Development, but one is a comedy and one is a soap. Yeah. They're the same show, though. I, yeah. I guess I didn't really watch enough OC. I mean, I really watched very little OC. Oh, it's good. I mean, like, maybe I watched the first one. The OC was very important in my – like, I think the way some people talk about 90210 or yeah. the way some – that was the OC for me. It ha- came out when I was in college, and so it was the – show that I got hooked on and uh so spending the last two weeks kind of re re-binging it um has been a delight but it is the same show as Arrested Development it takes place in uh Newport Beach uh in 
they there is a uh, the the family is well to do involved in the real estate industry with an unscrupulous patriarch yeah. who faces legal problems and the crazy cast of characters that surrounds him at one point he places his not competent uh, wife in charge of the company while he is facing legal peril. I mean, these are things that happen in both shows. So anyhow, that was it was delightful. But it is, as Joe Bluth said, cold as ice. Uh, New Year's here, and it's already off to an interesting start. Whether it's the president's tweets at North Korea or the new Michael Wolf book that uh, basically is burning the political balls. world down. <laughs> so how are we? feeling about this new year we'll talk about the polls uh on how people are expecting 2018 to go presidential job approval it's the dow jones industrial average of politics as i have heard it said and gallup is ending their daily presidential job approval tracker as we know it we will talk about what is new for gallup and what is driving these changes the Me Too movement continues. Uh, we have some polling on how men report on their own behavior. And we'll talk a little bit about the midterms. Uh, what we're going to try to do is do one interesting race from the 2018 midterms every week, uh, if there's good polling out there. This week, we will take you down to Texas. And we'll also talk about what not to do with your campaign Polling. Yeah. And we're finally, just going to set the bar real low. Don't worry. <laughs> I am certain you, none of our listeners are going to get called to out for misbehavior. You're, I'm sure you're fine. And then there's lots of music, lots of movies to be excited about this year. We'll take a look at some not necessarily credible, but highly interesting polling about what music and movies folks are pumped for in 2018. Yes. Okay. So first, our poll of the week or segment of the week, we have a lot of kind of New Year's looking ahead polling that came out over the holidays. We didn't do a show over the holidays. So um Maris did something where they asked people, what do you resolve to do in the new year? What's your new year's resolution? And I think this is a pre-coded list, right? I don't think this is open-ended. I think this is a pre-coded list. I don't know if it's pre-coded or they read these categories, honestly, but um, be a better person, lose weight, exercise more, eat healthier. I mean, kind of the perennials mm -hmm. are at the top. 1% say get politically involved. Well, hey, that's... That's a, that's a good thing, you know. It's a good thing. Better. Kinder to, I mean, some of these, you know, they're like kinder to others is not that different from be a better person, but still it's interesting. Enjoy life. That's a good one. So we have created the, it, the, there's a jar in the kitchen. It is still empty because I need to go to the ATM, but mm -hmm. we're doing an Anderson family, uh, swear jar. Oh. It's honor system. Mm. So even when I'm in the car driving across the city at rush hour, talking to myself, that still counts. $5 per infraction. Ouch. That's steep. Yeah, I guess. Uh, so, uh, which people are surprised to hear that this is a thing that's happening because I don't swear on the show. I don't swear in public. I don't swear on television. When I go on real time with Bill Maher and I can swear, I don't. I just, it's not a thing that I do. But uh, I can get very frustrated when I'm driving in traffic or when I'm sweeping snow off the stoop of my house or, so I, I'm in a little deep right now, but that's one of my New Year's resolutions. And the second is I'm going to try to do more indoor cycling. Oh. I am not making the full Peloton it commitment. It is the bomb. I'm, it is I'm, so it's, good. It is uh, – It's need a to, bit of a cult that I try to not like roll out publicly because you sound a little cuckoo. But yeah, it is a bit I, of a I cult. I need to prove to myself that I can commit to some sort of non-sedentary yeah. activity 
for more than a week at a time before I drop like a couple grand yeah. on a bike. Yeah. I, I knew I had that part clear. That the the hurdle for me was not that. The hurdle was finding the time to actually go and do it. And so when you have the bike here, then it removes that pain point. Entirely. I have already gone to two spin classes this year. All right. Well, we'll so, discuss because I, I have uh, some Listeners, thoughts. you have to keep me accountable in this. Yes. If, tweet at me aggressively about did you – have you continued to keep up with this? You need this? to have good music. You need to find a music vibe Oh, Instructor like. Harry yeah. at Biker Bar. Yeah. First class, we got Backstreet Boys The Call. Right around the mid-class point when I thought that I was going to die, it was perfect. And then second class, we got um, Britney Spears When the World Ends. Right. Which is the two times I've ever run a 5K, that's the first song I listen to when I get rolling. So I was like, how is Harry reading my mind? He knows the songs that I need to hear right at the moment when I'm about to die. That's good. So I like him. So Harry at Biker Bar, we'll see if I can stick with him. Okay, that's good. That's good. I, um... I'm going to have – and what's not on here is re- I'm going to use less plastic. That is my New Year's oh, resolution. that's a good one. Yeah, it's like achievable. You know, I think you can have some kind of measurable success. It's open-ended. It's not like I have to – there's something you accomplish, yes or no. Like can I – it's there's a scale and I will use less plastic. Whether I use a lot less plastic or just some less plastic is kind of TBD, but I will use less plastic. So That's good. That's a good one. So that is the one I'm, I'm working on. Swear jarm. Yeah, that's not gonna I, I'm filing swear jar under be a better person. <laughs> not going to happen. Um, I'm pretty, I feel pretty good. I've cut down on my swearing since having kids, not to zero, but really this, this is, you know, I want to set myself up for success. Now, there's some other kind of like predictions and stuff, polling, Axios and SurveyMonkey did a poll. Um, are you more hopeful about 2018 for you personally? And Republicans were overwhelmingly more hopeful, 90% more hopeful, 9% more fearful. Democrats are like almost divided, 55% hopeful, 44% fearful. That is a massive party divide. I'm sure, I mean, they didn't break this out. We could ask them, but I, I'm sure that's not based on the socioeconomic differences between D's and R's. That is a politically driven viewpoint of how people feel personally. And then are you more hopeful about 2018 for the world in general? So one question personally, one question broadly. And they're similarly completely mirror opposite views of D's and R's. 29% of Democrats are more hopeful. 32% of Republicans are more fearful. You know, similar kind of mirror opposite. Yeah. In in both cases, you are losing about 30 points. Well, no, like 25 points off the hopeful to fearful from both parties. So it's just that Republicans start so overwhelmingly personally hopeful. Right. That even when you shave that 25% off and you make them fearful, you still have most saying they're hopeful. Or for Dems, the hopeful to fearful margin is so slim at the beginning, you lop that 25% off and – Suddenly they look real depressed. And I don't know, obviously this is a kind of simple question. I don't know how much of the DR fearful, hopeful here is based on whether people think things are going to change. Like, do you have a lot of Dems relying, I am hopeful because 2017 was bad, but we are going to make some waves. There's a, you know, blue tide coming for everybody and this is the year it happens. And so I feel a little bit more hopeful that we're going to have some sort of correction, whatever that correction will mean for people. So is that where that hopeful comes from or is that hope among Democrats or is the hopeful simply like, I try to be hopeful because well, it that also makes I'm, me feel better. Do we know what the field dates were on this? Because you could have asked me this on 
I don't know, noon on January 1st. And I might have said hopeful. And then I see the like, <laughs> who's got the bigger button tweets? And it's like, oh, my gosh. oh nope, nope, nope. <sighs> fearful, fearful for sure. <laughs> I know, I know. That was really, that was terrible. And then there was another, speaking of that, this was Gallup, December 4th through 11th. So this was before my button is bigger. Um, and they asked some questions like, what do you think is going to happen for 2018? A peaceful year, more or less free of international disputes, or a troubled year? That was the one where people felt the most pessimistic. 79% say it's going to be a mostly troubled year. People were more divided on economic prosperity, and people were more defi- divided on America's power in the world. So that's where we are. So some, you know, kind of worrisome news about how people feel about 2018. But right now, are you good with people? Maybe you're organized or have a knack for numbers. Well, then chances are you've got skills that could lead to a new career. A Google career certificate can help you get a foot in the door with top employers in fast growing fields like IT support, project management, data analytics, and user experience design. It's professional level training developed and taught by Google employees. And it's all online so you can learn around your schedule. Put your skills to work. Go to grow.google slash certificates. When you take a look at the president's job approval, slight improvement being out of the news and mostly playing golf was a good thing. Golf is good. Golf is good. If we're taking that as a, if we're taking a one and a half percent improvement in job approval as a big thing. That's what we got. Because what is golf taking the place of? And golf is taking the place out of, you know, madness and chaos. Didn't take the place of sitting down with a New York Times reporter (laughs) and going YOLO mode. (laughs) But that was that. Uh, That was, that made for a very interesting Friday on television for me last week. (laughs) It's my one working day over the holidays. I spent the day on TV saying things that got me a lot of hate mail. It was real fun. Yeah. Well, although this podcast is a safe space. This is not where people, I don't think, hate listen to podcasts. Yeah, that which is a very nice thing about the medium. We assume that you like us. You may disagree with us, but thank you, those of you who are listening. (laughs) We assume that if you really didn't like us, you would not still be here listening to us. Um, So, okay, the president's job approval right now, 38.9% in the Huffington Post average as of press time. Big news in the polling world, Gallup's daily tracking poll will cease to exist as we know it. Um, Big news that dropped earlier this week. They have been for decades tracking every single day what is the president's job approval. And so you have this enormous number of interviews, this massive data set. Demographic breakouts. Amazing demographic breakouts. I mean, it is such a critical, valuable source of news, source of information but something that I think a lot of folks don't realize is I mean, Gallup is not a private or is not a, a nonprofit. Um, the Pew Charitable Trusts, Pew Research Center, that's a nonprofit. Gallup is a consulting firm. Gallup has private clients around the world, major corporations that they work for. So for them, there is a bottom line. And the reason why you do provide publicly available job approval data is your company's brand has been built up over the decades as you are the guys and gals who who do this stuff. But you still need someone footing the bill. And for Gallup, for the last 10 years, uh, the Politico, Steve Shepard, has re- done a great story on this. 
um, that the, the Gallup daily tracking has been funded as a part of a private client project, a healthcare survey where they were doing 500 interviews every single night nationwide, and they've been doing this for a decade. And that private client, they are changing up the methodology. They're going to do a mail survey, which is a perfectly valid way of doing survey research, especially in a world where phone surveys are so expensive to do. But you can't do a daily tracking poll over the mail. <laughs> it doesn't work. So they are going to change it up. Um, doesn't mean Gallup's going to stop tracking presidential job approval, but it will be a weekly rather than daily exercise. And they're scaling back the sample size such that they are not going to release demographic breaks any more often than monthly. So that's a big loss in terms of the regular. I mean, look, obviously there are, there are more, there's, there are all kinds of other national polls that we talk about all the time that go into the daily updates, the aggregates, the RCP, the Huffington Post trackers. It's not just Gallup and it's not just nightly. There's other, all kinds of other stuff. Um, but it is, it does mean that the only nightly president, presidential approval tracking poll that will be released publicly is going to be Rasmussen. Rasmussen, who you may recall, it, is traditionally much more favorable toward the current the president. president's favorite pollster. President's favorite pollster. Um, I think the folks at Huffington Post did a model where they looked at what predicted approval rating and it, the, like the single biggest predictor was whether or not the poll was done by Rasmussen or if that was one of the like two or three significant predictors. Um, so it really makes a difference and it may mean that this tracking number that we look at on a regular basis may creep up a little bit compared to where it is now with the loss of sort of a more regular Gallup and with Rasmussen maybe having a little bit of a larger role. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that doesn't mean that these numbers are good for the president, obviously. I mean, he was not the number one in the, you know, Gallup's most admired man. That's, you know, it's very unusual for the sitting president to not be at the top of the list, but instead Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton at the top of most admired man and most admired women, woman. Um, so that's, you know, there's a three point gap, you know, Trump comes in at number two. Um, so, and you know, obviously there's plenty of other polling out there that suggests that the president's numbers are not great, regardless of what, how they bounce around between 37 and 39%. So I don't want to, I don't want to overstate the implications of not having Gallup nightly and having Rasmussen again, because you have so many other data sources too. Um, but it is, you know, it is quite a big thing. I mean, it, there was a time where Gallup was like, that was the, that yeah. was the main game in town. And George Gallup, I mean, the, the name Gallup, the reason why it's so big in polling is he was the one after the literary digest poll predicted that Alf Landon would be president, uh, and literary digest had to shudder. It was George Gallup who said, okay, we need to use random sampling techniques. We're going to do this differently. And then they got it wrong in Dewey defeats Truman, but you know, retooled, got it back together and have been, have been at this ever since. And it was a big deal a few years back after the 2012 election when Gallup stopped doing presidential horse race tracking. Right. Their final poll in 2012, I think had Romney up by one. I think it was like 48, 49 Romney. And so obviously that's not how it turned out. A little bit of an embarrassment for Gallup. Right. They, I think, were among the most um, introspective and trying to figure out how to do things better um, of, of all the pollsters that may have publicly missed in that election. But 
unlike something like a Pew Research Center that's a nonprofit or a media organization that, you know, is doing this for other reasons like a Reuters. Or NBC. If Mm -hmm. you're Gallup and you are a consulting firm, you have to weigh the positive aspects of publicly releasing data for as a public service against the negative aspects. Right. Um, so this is something that I assume like a morning consult does because right. they do consulting work as well as release all this data. The upside is you get your name in the news. The downside is if you're wrong, you're wrong. And then who wants to hire you? Right. And, so and also what's the advantage for Gallup doing it, you know, weekly as opposed to the date? I mean, you know, right. You, you know, the cost differences are considerable. You know, maybe the sort of ROI on it is actually, you know, negligible. Yeah. So I, it is, I'm, I'm sad to see it go, but on the other hand, what will be nice is to not have to wave people off of freaking out if the an individual day's numbers, oh, the, the day's number is a new record low or the day's number is a new record high. Now we, we get spared a little bit of that hyperventilation. Well, and Pew doesn't do head-to-head tracking at all anymore and they once did head-to-head more head-to-head polling and yeah, i think they, both gallup and pew are and out of the stopped, horse race testing. and it's not like pew does not contribute a bunch of other stuff to the understanding of what's going on politically they contribute all kinds of things and obviously gallup does too on how people view you know different issues and what are the most important problems facing the country and views toward you know a variety of like moral behaviors we've spoken about that they have some really interesting uh regular studies on on, on those fronts and obviously, folks who've listened to the show have heard to say before, there are way more interesting things to look at besides head-to-heads or approval rating. There's all kinds of other interesting stuff to look at. Um, for example, this Monmouth poll that just came out just as we were about to record, um, that shows, you know, not such great news in terms of how people think things are going. Again, it's not just approval rating, but other stuff. Like, do you think... You know, Donald Trump promised to drain the swamp. Would you say that's made progress? He's made progress draining the swamp or is the swamp worse? He's made the swamp worse. I mean, that's like a real phrase, like as if that's like a technical term, you know, <laughs> um, or has nothing really changed. And now you have a, plur- you know, you have a plurality say nothing's really changed. You have that's 38 percent, 33 percent. He's made the swamp worse. You have fewer now than in August and May saying he's made progress draining the swamp. And then this question for like Hamilton and other kinds of history buffs, do you think the founders of our country would be happy or upset with the way the institutions of our government, such as Congress and the presidency have been working over the past 10 years? 81% say upset. I think that's a f- somewhat of a fair bet. Although I, I allow me to take the contrarian, the 11% view that our institutions have been really resilient. This has been a completely insane year. Like a, a, a meteor has hit our political system. But we are all still here. Rule of law is still in effect. Congress can still kind of pass bills. I mean, it's it, it feels tenuous, but our institutions have held up over the last year, I think, pretty well. Yeah, I mean... Which I, is what they were designed to I do. I hear you. It's just, you know, for how long? And then what happens the next time? There's a, you know, the next time somebody tests them, then how will they withstand? And there's, you know, there's, I mean, I saw somebody tweet something like, it's like you're 
you're it's an eight you're going through an eight story drop and like two stories in you're like so far so good yep well I, I the thing I got in trouble for on Friday so my face was on the front page of foxnews.com for a couple hours as, sorry I was having American Girl doll tea I know okay? I texted Margie like red alert red alert we got problems I'm trying to decide whether she should have blue studs or green studs my inbox is <laughs> melting down like the face of a guy in Indiana Jones. Um, so, but I was, it's because I'd been on Morning Joe, Joe Scarborough wrote a column about how he says that Trump is a big threat to democracy. And I was asked, what do I think about Joe's column? And so I said, look, I, I think this, the scenario that keeps me up at night, if there is a scenario that keeps me up at night, is this situation that I don't think is likely, but where Republicans lose control of Congress. And then Democrats move for impeachment proceedings and Trump responds to this impeachment push by saying, oh, well, voter fraud and, you know, those elections, they, you know, like they were basically saying that these were like illegitimate. Um, But I was specifically said, I don't think this is likely. I'm just pontificating about, okay, you asked me, is Trump a threat to democracy? What's the thing that keeps me up at night? This is what keeps me up at night. Well, this became... MSNBC pundit says Trump to invalidate elections. Uh oh. Just not what I said, obviously. But that doesn't matter because it was a slow news day. Got to feed the outrage machine. So I had a real colorful inbox for about 24 hours. But I do, I, what I, what I wish I had added, not because it would have prevented the hate mail, because I actually don't think there's anything I could have said to have prevented the hate mail. Because it was such an and you it's do like an a, incredible job not provoking hate mail. I, like that's, I, you know, I, I'm like so boring sometimes. That's why hard to do. there are so many other people saying crazier things, folks. But Pretty I much everyone <laughs> right most people. I'm really boring. But what I do wish I had said is that I not only do I not think that it's likely. I have been impressed that our institutions have been as resilient as they have been over the last year. There was a chance that we could be in a much worse situation than we are. And so American democracy built to last, you know, but, oh, well, that's neither here nor there. That well, was my Friday. Is the outra- <laughs> so have, has the circus moved on from your inbox? Or? Oh, the circus always moves on. <laughs> they're they're on to Steve Bannon versus Donald yeah, Trump. That's so. Versus- no, I'm still mad at Kristen. <laughs> no, they the world. Uh, no, we we really moved on. <laughs> I'm still mad at Fox, but the rest of the world has moved on. So. I tried. I was like telling my husband, I was like, we need. Like, come, let's do a vi- do a video. I'm like, here, I have an assignment for you. Do a video. Where it's like. And reenacting like the Trump Bannon feud, but with like our son's dinosaurs <laughs> or our American Girl dolls. Obviously, you know, I don't want to, you know, either way they'd be entertaining. He's like, yeah, that's funny. I'm not, I'm not actually going to do that right now. I'm like, no, do it right now. <laughs> Which American Girl doll would Donald Trump? We only be? have one. It doesn't matter. Yeah, we can just, you know, this. put on different hats or different, you know, dangly earrings versus, you know, her regular outfit versus her dress up outfit. Anyway, either way, you know. I think it'll be incredibly offensive and entertaining. Um, okay, so, um, but he didn't do it. Like, he doesn't respond. He's kind of like, you know, it's like the Gallup poll. Like, you know, we need to have like a sponsor for this. You can't just like ask me to do this just for like the good of society. <laughs> um, okay, so there's some, somebody flagged this for us in our Facebook messages. There is a Texas Senate poll that was that made some news for Senator Cruz. Now, after the win for Democrats in Alabama, 
And then now with the Utah Senate seat open, you have a lot of Democrats saying, you know, move on to Texas, move on to Utah. There are some states that people think of as traditionally Republican where there are now real opportunities. That's the Democratic angle. Obviously, Ted Cruz has had some popularity problems with his own base, you know, in with, among with Republicans in Washington and around the country. Um, and a top recruit for Democrats in Beto O'Rourke, uh, a member of Congress. So, uh, so this poll, was released and it was by the, but it was released by the Cruz campaign. Yes. Uh, WPA intelligence, which, uh, I think the WPA used to be Wilson Perkins Allen. So that's, if, if you've ever heard of that firm, it's, it's, it's those folks. Um, Chris Wilson, he was pollster for Ted Cruz. Um, I, we want to talk in sort of every episode this year about an interesting midterm, race um or at least about the polling we won't be able to polling. know everything that's going on in a race yes and we just came up with this idea uh, yes i i foisted ago. this idea on margie uh <laughs> like as we sat down to record but i, well, I think we're gonna try no people are gonna want to hear it so we're gonna try it and then, when there's public polling when there's public polling what's interesting about this is um so it is a poll that is being released by one of the campaigns and we talk about this on the show occasionally this like how do you assess the validity of or that or pardon me, value of a poll that is released by a campaign because campaigns are not generally in the business of releasing polling that is unfavorable to them. Um, exceptions perhaps being when that NRSC poll got dropped that had Roy Moore down by like 16 points. Typically, you're not going right. to see the NRSC, DSCC dropping polls that show their candidates losing but in this case because they were distancing themselves from Roy Moore so this is not the same as herding but it's like herding adjacent where you're like you it's selective releasing selective releasing for sure it doesn't Um, mean that you're polled or something wrong with it and and it's also I mean I don't know if WPA intelligence has other polling that they haven't released we're not making any claim about that but it's just the sort of thing that as a smart consumer of polling when you see that it comes from a campaign doesn't mean the poll is wrong, just means that it is being released because the person who conducted it would like the world to know that their candidate is doing well. Right. You release a poll publicly if you think it's better than the conventional wisdom. And so in response, so it would make it, – it's understandable why the Cruz campaign would – seeing the news like – Hey, the circus is now moving from Alabama to Texas. And, you know, that's so like everybody's, you know, every, every quote unquote Republican held seat is now up for a fair game. I mean, look, this is a state that just was plus nine for. Trump. So this was a state that underperformed for Republicans statewide um, in 2016. So even before Alabama, this was something that was seen as within reach. Um, so it, it's not unreasonable to them for the Cruz campaign to want to release a poll that says, actually, no, we feel safe, right? So this is trying to correct the conventional wisdom. Sure. The poll does show that um, Beto O'Rourke has low name ID. I think only about a third of folks in Texas um, had heard of him, but on the ballot test, his numbers basically track with Cruz's unfaves. So 42% of uh, Texas voters say they had an unfavorable view of Ted Cruz. In the ballot test, Beto O'Rourke gets 43%. So in some ways at this point, what this tells us is that this Texas race is a lot about how do you feel about Ted Cruz or not, that most Texas voters do not know who Beto O'Rourke is, which 
can be good or bad for a challenger. I mean, the Cruz campaign has an opportunity to try to define him negatively, and an awful lot of folks don't know who he is yet. Um, on the other hand, you know, the fact that he is tracking along where a generic Democrat would be, if he can then brand himself in a positive way and try to pull over swing voters, I mean, those are, there are a world of possibilities there with a challenger with low name ID. So the 43% for O'Rourke is from a, oh, a, a another Google consumer a, a survey, GCS sorry. survey. Yeah. So in this poll, it's 52 to 34. In this, this other December poll, it's 57-43. Oh, well, then I retract my statement. I'm looking at the wrong number. Then that Then that means that his... Well, let me see if the did I how badly did I just screw this whole? No, I think it's no, no, no. I think I mean it still reflects. Oh, the fave and fave is from the poll, yes, not the Google. Yes, yes, got it. And it is not it is not far off. And I mean, well, then that means it. uh, It seems as though if forty two percent of likely voters have an unfavorable opinion, and this WPA poll has this hefty undecided. I mean, it's not inconceivable that the better work number could go up. Yeah. I mean, they're not releasing polls showing them at 65%. They are releasing poll at 52%. I mean, the other, you know, they're releasing this to say, hey, don't worry, we got this. But the other way to look at it is, look, you have an incumbent who's at 52%, which is not like, that's not the safe zone, particularly for an incumbent against somebody who is far less well-known than him and hasn't, you know, begun to run statewide ads. Uh, And so if you look at, you know, the favorability, and, you know, we've talked about this before, how do you compare favorability from one candidate? candidate to another. And a lot of times people will look at a shorthand and just look at the favorable only and not the unfavorable or how well known the person is. So if you looked at just the faves, you'd say, oh, well, Cruz is 50% favorable and her work is 14% favorable. So that means Ted Cruz is wildly more popular. But if you actually look, he's got a very, Cruz is a very high unfave at 42%. While our work is seven percent unfave, so he's a lot less well known. But he, our work is two to one fave unfave. Cruz is not two to one fave unfave. So, you know, there are obviously big differences in their profiles, how well known they are, and how popular they are. You know, with all that, you know, is, does that mean that Cruz is doing well, all things considered, or does he, you know, is a sign that he's got potentially some weakness? You know, that's sort of half glass full, half empty. Well, you know what's a way that a campaign shouldn't use polling? (laughs) By sending out a poll to your supporters that asks people to rate various news stories, fake news, faker news, fake-est news, or other, please specify. uh, You know, this was on the homepage of the RNC for a while. I mean, this is just, I mean, come on. Like, I know, like, first of all, People flag for us all the time when there's like a poll in somebody's fundraising email. And that does not get me upset, you know, because they are just trying – it's like an engagement tool. They're like, you know, people want to – Political fundraising emails are notoriously ridiculous. The like – I remember there was a whole Twitter account dedicated to DCCC like six times match – Donate now, or this kitten gets the axe. Like insane. <laughs> That's not a poll, but yeah. <laughs> but but I mean, like yes. that that fundraising right. emails, right? Are they're experimenting? They push ethical and they push they push boundaries. 
we'll just leave it at that. This was, I guess this was on the at RNC website? Yeah, that, so I was off it when I went to go find it, but it was in a story that it had been like Newsweek or somebody wrote that it was. What is polling home. related about it is that it is a poll asking people not which of the following stories upset you the most, which would kind of, kind of be interested. People who go to the uh, RNC website, which of these news stories upsets them the most. But it is the use of the answer options. <laughs> I know. Fake news, <laughs> fake er news, fakest news other please specify <laughs> i mean like, there's so many wow. things wrong with it like well it's not a poll obviously because there's no like i did not hear this story you know or i think this story is actually true you know or or why is it the king of fake news why isn't it just like and like fake news in itself is obviously fraud. why does it have to be gendered right. why can't it be the queen of fake news there is so much wrong <laughs> there is so Anyhow. much wrong with this right um but uh, yeah, so it, that's not a poll. So this is not a poll. That's an example of things that are not poll. This is a garbage poll. It, it it shouldn't pretend to be a poll. It's kind of pretending to be a poll. It's not really pretending to be like a a reader engagement tool. It's kind of acting like it's a real poll. So like that they're going to go to the president and say, "Here's the cross tabs uh, for your 5 p.m. <laughs> fakest news <laughs> awards." The is like American Idol. Anti-American yeah. idol. Right. Right. It is, you know, it is more manipulated than American Idol. Okay. So we have just a brief, you know, uh, check in with the Me Too polling world. So, you know, there's a lot of polling obviously now um, of what's been going on in uh, women's issues and Me Too and New York Times Morning Consult did something over the break where they surveyed men about behavior, self-reported behavior, and they talk a little bit about different methods of asking about self-reported behavior. How do you know people are telling the truth? Or if you ask about your colleagues at work, have they done this behavior? If you ask women, have you heard about this behavior? The difference between over-reporting and under-reporting. If you ask a question about like, have you told a joke, like a sexually tinged joke? Are you getting you know, kind of an overestimate of things that are harassment. Are you getting a lot of people who are saying, no, I don't do this. Like it's, it's hard to, you know, get a, a, you lose some precision, right. in asking about these behaviors for a variety of reasons. Um, but it, they have some interesting data viz folks should take, uh, take a look, uh, data visualization about a fifth, say the most common behavior that men said they had done is, um, various kinds of jokes or stories, like telling kind of inappropriate jokes or stories at the workplace, sexist remarks. Those are the two most common followed by in the single digits you had showing people sexual material. Don't do that. What is wrong with you? You know, unwanted sexual talk or gestures, all those things become like now in single digits asking for dates after people say no. And I think it's, I I was, yeah. Uh, So uh, this is always a, from a polling perspective, I mean, it's tough to ask people to like fess up to stuff that they know they shouldn't. Especially right do, now. Especially right now. So I think that from a polling perspective is what makes this particularly interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, and then they look at some people who have engaged in one, at least one of these behaviors and they ask some questions about Trump approval, which is probably the correlation that you would expect. Um, and whether or not people think their immediate su- supervisor cares or encourages or allows these behaviors. So they're demonstrating that if you have a culture at your workplace where you feel this is not allowed, then you're less likely to do it. Um, But it's hard to tease out, you know, causation, which in which direction does the causality lay? 
um, that's not totally clear. Well, let's talk then. We'll wrap the show on some fun stuff. The music and movies we're excited about this year. So first, this looks like a poll. Is this on Variety's website? Yeah. Okay. So on Poland Variety's website, which 2018 superhero movie are you most excited for? In first place, 53% of the vote, Avengers Infinity War, which has been built up for a long time. I mean, I basically knew sort of that Black Panther was happening. I don't know about anything else about any of these. I am <laughs> very excited. The trailer for Black Panther looks awesome. I would probably vote for that. I think the Black Panther trailer was better than the Avengers one. Yeah, I'm kind of... I, I love Chris Evans, so I'm definitely going to go see Avengers. You know, but. I haven't seen The Post or the, uh, the Disaster Artist yet, and I have a feeling that none of these movies will be in the previews for any of those. Those yeah. are the, Those were the two on You're my holiday right. list. That Rin- Wrinkle in Time, which is not a superhero movie, but Wrinkle in Time, the trailer was on before Last Jedi. Mm. Which has got Mindy Kaling, Oprah, Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, I definitely want to Chris see that. Pine. That was like Zend- it, that was a, so big I'm, I'm in my this. little girlhood. So I'm mm-hmm. definitely going to see that. And then they also have a poll: Coachella 2018 lineup. Which top build artist are you most like most excited to see? Top response is Eminem at 29.7 percent, followed by Beyonce at 20.53 percent. I feel like that's wrong, guys. I think uh, we need a recount. I think we need a panel. Uh, yeah. Jam- some vote from third place. No, uh, fourth. Pardon me. I'm scrolling down is that further. Fourth place. Third, third place is Post Malone. Four point six seven. But I was. It was Jamiroquai that I was the most yeah. like. What? Three point one percent is actually pretty respectable in this poll because once you get past. Beyonce, Eminem, and The Weeknd, it's like everybody's in 1% and 2%. Right. David Jamiroquai, Byrne. I mean, 20 years ago I was listening to Jamiroquai. It's virtual insanity, and they move around yeah. on walkways. And they needed the – I know. I think they're going to – like, what are they even going to do without the walkways? Do they even – they must – I mean, I'm assuming – I would hope they don't have the walkways anymore. If I was going to Coachella, the one on this list I would see is Odessa at 2.02%. Every time they come to DC, they're soldiers. I have never been. I have never been to Coachella, but I would say I'd be excited about David Byrne and Beyonce. I think that makes me kind of on the old side, but that's okay. I'm used to that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm used to that fact. Okay, so and then and this was a nod to some of our lovely reviews we received over the break. If you haven't done a review, you should. It doesn't take very long, and people said. If you don't like politics, that's okay. They talk about other stuff. So we, this was for you. Um, Indoor cycling, American Girl. That's right. Arrested Development. We got a lot going on. That's right. Right. I love the review from a while ago where someone said, I don't always get their pop culture references, but I like to learn new things. The (laughs) idea that we are somehow cutting edge is. I know, I know. Okay, key findings. Okay, welcome to the new year, same as the old year. And who says Trump shouldn't golf? Seems to have improved his daily tracking, but being reduced to Rasmussen may be another stroke of good luck. And when is a garbage poll just garbage and not even a poll? Hey, reviewers, we hear you like the non-political stuff, so enjoy some of those superhero and music diva 
thingies in 2018, we're going to need all the help we can get. You can find us on Twitter at at the pollsters, individually at at Margie O'Mero and at Soltis Anderson. Find us at www.thepolsters.com or on Facebook, where we post links throughout the week to the stories we want to talk about. Make sure that if you have not left us a review and you've got like 15 seconds, maybe if your New Year's resolution was to be kinder to others, that is a kindness we would appreciate. Oh, that's good. Okay, thanks. Bye.